Oh, hi, this is Josh Gorfain, and this is Who I Am. Hi, Josh. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Um, you're over in New York right now, right? So. I am. Yes. Is it, uh, is it hot? It is. It actually was really on the cool side today and rainy. So it, uh, it, was, it was a pleasant change from the, like, the blistering heat that it has been going on for a while. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, um, I'm over in L.A. and we had a nice cool period um relatively cool period but it just got hot again so so if i start getting sleepy it's uh, it's no reflection on you it's more my, <laughs> <laughs> my age my my current body temperature um uh you uh did you grow up in florida or you lived in florida for a while right or i grew up in a suburb of fort lauderdale oh right called, okay um sunrise mm-hmm. and um what yeah. did you do there How, what was growing up in that area like it was, I mean, it was like the, you know, late seventies, early eighties. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, I felt it was like, just like a normal kid. I mean, I, I lived in the suburbs, so I would, um, have a group of friends that I'm playing with and, mm-hmm. uh, we would bike our bike to the local, um, strip mall where they had, they just got in like Ms. Pac-Man. Mm. And, uh, so I would, plunk our quarters in and then go off to other adventures. It's sort of like stranger things without all the, the weird stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was kind of, that, that show was kind of a, uh, um, a, sort of a really nostalgic look back on what I did yeah. other than, you know, eat egos and go to the upside down type stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Were you a um, were you an arcade kid, an arcade junkie, or? Oh yeah, I I was video games from pretty much the beginning. Uh-huh. Um, the old Dragon's Lair. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. was, was my bane of my existence. <laughs> I can never get that the hang of that. Space. What did your parents do? Um, let's see. My mom was a stay-at-home mom until I was in junior high, mm-hmm. and then she went back to school for um, psychology and sociology. So she became a therapist. And mm-hmm. my dad was um, ex-navy. Then doing uh, CT scanners, mm-hmm. and then eventually worked his way to printing presses, and then to um, airport security machines. Hmm. So he was like an engineer and did pretty cool, pretty hmm. cool stuff. Yeah. Did you stay in that area or did you move around? Um, basically, when I went to college in Tallahassee, Florida State, mm-hmm. um, right right before I left, uh, we left the home that I grew up in to move to a to for them to move to a different house about half hour to forty five minutes north in Boynton Beach. And they did. They ended up moving when I was in college, which was kind of funny because they didn't tell me for about three weeks. 
um, where they where they moved to or their new phone number and and all that stuff. I mean, this was <laughs> the 80s, so cell phones weren't around. Mm-hmm. So I was basically cut off from my entire family for like a good three weeks to a month. Mm. And as a freshman in college, it was kind of terrifying mm. for a little bit. And looking back, it was hilarious. But back then, it was I was scared, completely, kind of uh, freaking out. Mm. What were you studying? I originally wanted to be a comic book penciler. Mm-hmm. So I studied a lot of um, life drawing and other art. Um, my major was studio art. And then halfway through, um, right past that point of no return, I realized that um, I wasn't going to be any good at it. So I had to figure out what the hell I wanted to do with this art degree, which suddenly saw as uh, kind of useless. Um, after, you know, going into art education for a couple semesters, I realized that I hate teaching kids. So then I went back to uh, graphic design mm-hmm. and that's basically where I ended up. Um, kind of wish I stuck with the drawing, mm. but, um, why is it, that? It, what, what, why did you think you, you wouldn't be good enough? What, what was, what? it just. I hated drawing backgrounds. Right. And um, it just seemed like a lot, not like a lot of work, but to get to where I wanted to be, like the, um, let's say the John Byrne or Art Adams level, mm-hmm. I, I was going to have to do it for like at least another decade struggling to, to get good. Um the college actually taught me how to look at things and the basics, but I real I realized early on that I had, I was just beginning the path and I needed to be able to um, make an income. Hmm. So, being a um, comic book penciler struggling wasn't the way to go. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. That's what I. Th- you you mentioned so, John Byrne and uh, Adams and um, were you a, a presuming that you you grew up reading comics or you were introduced to comics at some point in your life and it sounds like Marvel was uh, was your oh, flavor. Yeah, yeah um, back in the mid to late mid eighties to I would say mid nineties I was pretty much Marvel all the way. Um, when uh, I say when the mid to late nineties, when like uh, Kyle Rayner got introduced and and uh, Grant Morrison took over Justice League, is when I started to get into DC a lot more. Mm-hmm. Though I had some exceptions, like the uh, the Giffen Demadius Justice League was totally my jam back in the day. Mm-hmm. Still got those books somewhere. Anyway. Um. Do you remember your first book? Do you remember what made you oh. get into them? When... Yeah, my first, I bought it like two when um, when I first started. It was um, the Transformers Limited Series, um, issue one, mm-hmm. because I was, you know, I was like 13, 14, and I was into Transformers. I think no, it was 86. Mm, that sounds about right, yeah. It was like around mid-80s, so I was like in the teenager um, a young teenager. 
and um, the Sankovich art on it was just cover art was absolutely amazing and I just like I had to have it um, that and um, West Coast Avengers limited series number one mm-hmm. and I think I bought it mainly because it was like the first issue so it was like oh I don't have to know anything before getting into this and it was pretty cool and then my be- my best friend at the time was way into it so I rated his stuff and got caught up on uh, Secret Wars and all the fallout from that. Mm-hmm. When did you you think that it was something you you wanted to do? I would say around like uh, when I was a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I started drawing a lot more. Um, people liked it. Um, did a couple pieces here and there, but it was nothing nothing too serious. But um, my art teacher um, encouraged me at the time, so it it, it felt good to do it. Mm-hmm. So um, I kept with it. I tried I try to keep with it now throughout college, and college was actually kind of, was fun too. But not not for where I wanted to where I saw myself. I didn't see myself getting there. Mm. Were you making your own books at all, or, or was it just sketching and and drawing individual pieces? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, I didn't quite, I didn't quite catch that. That's right. I, I said, uh, were you making your own books at all at that stage? Or no, I was just drawing like pinups and you know one shots and tracing mm-hmm. and all that other fun stuff. Yeah, that kids kids do when they think they can draw. <laughs> um, so you left college and you realized that you needed a job and you got into graphic design and um, yes. the, um, what kind of work were you doing then? Oh, I was basically, um, my first job out of college was working for a ticket manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the people that actually made the machines that spitted, spitted the tickets out. Mm-hmm. So I made the tickets that went into them. And um, we would get calls from all across the nation, like movie theaters and um, venues. Any place you would get a ticket... I would basically have to design said tickets. And it was actually kind of fun for a while, but it was my first job. I was, um, you know, young and stupid. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it didn't end well, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, and, and when did you, when did you leave Florida? When did you leave? Oh, that was basically right after I got married in ninety. 96. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 96. And, um, basically me and my new wife decided that Florida was kind of awful, um, <laughs> um, economy wise. So we headed to the nearest, the closest metropolis that we could that was not in Florida, mm-hmm. um, which was Atlanta. And that was really, really good mm. up until, you know, the inevitable divorce, but that's neither here nor there. Mm. It's still a great city. I, I, I kind of want to go back, but can't quite afford it yet. Mm. What were you doing there? Um, a lot of different um, side work and just pick up pick up jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, right, bef- um, some some of it, a lot of it was uh, newspaper related. Mm-hmm. So I would be designing um, advertising for various newspapers. Uh, some law 
law newspaper and um, the the employment guide and creative loafing and eventually the Atlanta journal, which Mm -hmm. was really good. Hmm. And then after that, I moved back to Florida mm-hmm. after because of my my divorce, and um, I don't remember much after that. Hmm. If it's, and then, it, it, hmm? so you said the the inevitable divorce. Was that something yeah. that came around because of of the move, or just uh, who you were as people? Do you think? Or I think it was just more of who we were as people. Yeah, and, um, and then you went back to... I think to, we got into the marriage to HD. Yeah, and I went back to Florida mm-hmm. for a, uh, for about a decade. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Where I did more newspaper graphic design up until about 2007 mm-hmm. when I completely got sick of it because it was just um, between... Um, just these, these print being kind of on the way out mm-hmm. and the just it was it ended up being like one um, bad work experience after another that I just got burnt out. Right. And uh, I just wanted to do something different. So I ended up going to uh, culinary school mm. in 2007, which was really good. Hmm. But then again, I was I was 37, but so it was not that I was going to go cook in a professional kitchen, but I could. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot. It was just exciting just to do something on my own, so to speak. Yeah. And what what happened after that? Did you did you work in any kitchens, or did you? I worked in a couple here and there until I realized that um, stress of working in a kitchen while in my head feels really good because it's always busy and go, go, go. Um, my body couldn't take it. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started having, um, some health issues. Mm-hmm. And I realized this... I just had to go back into graphic design. Right. <laughs> was this in New York, the, the school? Oh, uh, the school? No, school is in South Florida. Okay. It was at uh, the culinary institute. I think they're like changed their name to like Lincoln or something or other. Uh-huh. But uh, it was a good school. It was all um, all the teachers were ex uh, CIA staff, hmm. uh, Culinary Institute of America, not Central Intelligence <laughs> Agency. Um, you'd be surprised how often that confused me um, until someone actually told me. It's like, oh wow, they're all ex spies. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, Josh, no, no, no. I am. So, um, but working in the kit, working in uh, in the culinary school in the kitchen actually taught me a whole lot of other skills that I, I actually use today, rather than just plain cooking, mm-hmm. like um, resource management and time management, um, dealing with stress up to a certain point was really good. Mm-hmm. Um. To the point where I'm actually doing handling a lot of my graphic design stuff a lot better, and stuff a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see. After culinary school in 2007, that was like 2007, 2008. Um, about that time, my sister was um, going through a divorce herself, 
and she had two young children, my niece and nephew, that, that needed to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. So um, I decided to take like a year off and uh, help help them out, and basically, you know, take care of the house, take care of the kids, um, while my sister got her her life back together, which mm-hmm. which ended up being. I thought that was a really good experience for me. Um, but it was, uh, not as easy, not as easy on me because I was being, I was also still divorced and separated from my daughter. Mm-hmm. So that was fun in itself. Like sort of like a reminder of what I lost in taking care of these kids. Yeah. But, but it's what, uh, my families do. Mm-hmm. So, so, oh, anyway. No, go ahead. So that was in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And after that, um, about the end of, the year, end of that year, I got a year, uh, a contract, a uh, graphic design contract. Mm-hmm. Um, working for Office Depot, the corporate headquarters in Boca, mm-hmm. which lasted over a year. And that was good. And after that, I moved to New York, which was fun. Hmm. What took you there? Took me to New York. Hmm. Um, I literally was um, back and working and was still kind of like missing something. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what. But right then and there, on like Halloween of 2010, I got into a car wreck, hmm. a three-car car wreck, uh, where basically someone rear-ended me, and then someone rear-ended them, which rear-ended me again. And at that point, I just had an epiphany of, I have to get out of Florida, hmm. because everything is awful in Florida. Well, not really. <laughs> that was my thinking at the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, literally Thanksgiving, like the next month I came up to New York for about, you know, a week, a solid week. I had a vacation saved up and to see if I could handle it. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. It was great. And then August of 2011, I basically packed up and took the money that I got in the settlement from the car accident to just move up here. Hmm. Hmm. What were your plans? Did you? Did you? Just, I, even, I have no idea how I ended. So you just want? Oh. You just needed to get away. You just needed anywhere. Yes. Okay. I had no plans whatsoever. I would. I had enough money to keep me afloat for like a couple months. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, I'll I'll find a job in those couple months. It's New York City. It's huge there's tons of stuff to do mm-hmm. something will happen <laughs> and nothing happened mm-hmm. so it was kind of fun um so well no i i basically at the right at the that break point when something bad was going to happen it was like a make or break and then i got a job which was good. Mm-hmm. It kept me afloat for a while. And then I got another job and eventually here I am. Mm-hmm. So while this was going on, you, were you writing? Were you doing stuff on yes. the side? Or, yeah. 
Yeah, I was writing basically. I started writing when um, I ended up li- when I was living with my sister and her kids mm-hmm. because I would, you know, taking care of the house wasn't that big of a deal. Everything was relatively clean already, so I would spend like maybe an hour or two taking care of you know breakfast and then another couple hours taking care of of dinner and then get the kids off the bed and during all the hours in between I, there was literally nothing to do so i started playing with ideas and I, someone online told me i should just write something mm-hmm. anything so um i ended up writing um i think a small movie script mm-hmm. it's awful the concept is actually pretty solid but <laughs> it was um it, it was it was horrible Hmm. I, I, every once in a while, I look back on it, going, "I should dust this off, rewrite it," but I haven't got around to it. Mm-hmm. Keep on moving forward. Mm-hmm. And though um, so somebody did read it, and and they said, "This is awful, but you should keep going because I see the potential there." And wrote a couple of you know strips that no one ever seen. And then eventually, someone asked for a actual comic script. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, um, ended up being the grand machine for Evolution. Um, we tried to do a Kickstarter, I think last year for it, which mm-hmm. came as a surprise because it was like almost a decade in the ground. And, uh, then, um, after that I wrote Sterling for Arcana, which, which Asset, but it could have been so much better if I had like a mentor reading it and mm-hmm. moving along. And then we got together for Intronauts. Mm-hmm. It turned out, which I think ended up looking really, really good. It just didn't take off. It needed, it needed work that I think it needed. It was missing something. Hmm. Um, and I kind of wanted to revisit it. So that ended up turning into Space Chef. Mm-hmm which is what I'm currently working on. Yeah. Which is just hilarious how all that works out. <laughs> what was it about comic writing that, that, that seemed to stick more than screenplays, do you think? It seemed that to me, um, writing comics seemed more feasible mm-hmm. than movie scripts. Um, for like a comic script I have to do is convince like one or two people to work on it, like a penciler, and that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. But they, but these days everyone does their own inking. Um, or a lot of people do their own inking, at least the people that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. And so I would just do, I can do everything else because of my graphic design background. I can letter and I can do flat colors mm-hmm. and I can put the book together. So I can, it was a lot more easily attainable to actually put a comic book together than rather than doing a screenplay and then going, well, now what? Maybe if I ever get, I I land an agent, Mm -hmm. it'll be easier to to do that. But it's the matter of getting, getting something done, getting it done. And And my hope is to the comics to lead to the movies and so on and so forth. Yeah. No staying with comics. The the um the arcana work that you did, what did you when that was happening, did you think that that was 
the moment that was when it was going to start going for you? I, I, I was honestly surprised that they, that it got picked up mm-hmm. because it was literally my first pitch that I sent out mm-hmm. and, and they took it. So it was like for like the first, you know, couple days when I was, when I got, when I, after I got the, the acceptance, it was like, it can't, it can't be this easy. <laughs> um, but it was enough to encourage me to do, to continue on to do working on meat space, mm-hmm. which I basically wrote as soon as, uh, Sterling was, was finished. Mm-hmm. And that took a little longer to produce, and while I got some headway, um, it didn't really get in, get picked up by anyone, which is made me made me kind of sad. Hmm. But I think I don't know how it turned out, and all and it just turned out really really well. Hmm. And that literally kept me through 2010 to about 2014. It seems about right. Yeah. And you were working with with uh, on Sterling. You worked with uh, JC Grand. Um, yes, uh, JC Grand was on Sterling, and then for um, it's so funny because a lot of the people that I, that I've worked with and working with, mm-hmm. I learned from, I, I got the hookup from you. <laughs> like Andrew McLean was was straight from you because he worked on uh, Department O mm-hmm. for you, and then um, David Brame. Hmm. He's, he's the artist on Space Chef. Yeah. Was the original artist on Intronauts. That's right. So it's just really amazing how how I basically owe a lot to, to you, actually. Kind of <laughs> well, I like to think that there's a there's a, like a, a small community of uh, of indie creators that kind of all know each other or or at least know each other's work. So. Yeah. It's quite amazing just how a lot of people in our circles just sort of move move around. Mm-hmm. Like um, when I first moved up here, I was close with um, Kirk Christensen who did Power Play. Mm-hmm. He's about to launch his book, I think, Thrust, soon. He's doing a Kickstarter, if I recall correctly. And when I first moved up here, he's like, let's get – he wants to get all the writers together and just have like a round table meeting. And it was just, it was another encouraging meeting as, as I was getting the pages for meat space in. Mm-hmm. So it was just, I missed that sort of activity and I got to try to get that in, in there again, because there were a lot of good people. It was at that initial meeting that I recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Swifty Lang was there. I think Charles Sewell was there for a little bit. Hmm. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Do you feel like um, uh, that you you have a lot of work that you want to be working on, but it's it it's I think um, I've encountered this where it seems like it's the the pace of your ideas or the pace of what you want to do as a creator really doesn't marry to the pace of the production and the the pace of how often you can put books out and stuff like that. Do you, do you, do you encounter that or? Oh yes. <laughs> I was up until 
up until Space Chef, I was really frustrated with getting everything done, mm-hmm. getting anything done. And then, um, because I would write like maybe 20 pages of something, read it back and then go, this is garbage. And then move on to the next thing and repeat Mm. it for about, you know, four years. Mm. Uh, Until um, I was talking to Pat Shand about it and he's like, dude, just write and produce. If it's crap, it's crap, but just make it. Mm-hmm. Because it, you just got to go. It's just you just got to put stuff out there because you're going to get known and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, I put out. I, I, so basically, at the start of this year, I was like, I'm going to do three or four, three or four ideas, and push them, see how far I can go with them, mm-hmm. and. Um, Space Chef is actually the second idea. The first one was um, a book called Matoma, mm-hmm. which, which was inspired by the music of Zoe Keating that was basically a sort of a fantasy epic. Mm. And um, it's still on the shelf. It's re- I really like how the first issue turned out. I'm just waiting for the right artist and the right publisher to be able to pitch the story to. Mm. So I can get actually done and in stores rather than put it on online. Right. It's just a matter of getting step the steps done. Um, Space Chef, I'm really loving right now. Um, I have uh, a good two or three arcs planned out, and I'm currently have like I think eight scripts in the bank mm. ready to go. And that feels really good how everything, that story is evolving. Mm-hmm. And the artwork is absolutely gorgeous. And um, you get a whole new appreciation for it when you're coloring your own stuff. <laughs> I'll tell you that. And then the third thing is something, uh, sort of a high school fantasy. But um, sort of the halfway point between Harry Potter and the Magicians. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of um, anime inspired and it's being written and edited so it's it's moving it's just moving a little bit slower than, than I hope mm. but I'm so busy on Space Chef if he told me if my editor was like yes let's get, let's just get this going I wouldn't have time to do it because I'm literally spending all my time uh, working on Space Chef in some capacity or whatnot, mm-hmm. either writing it or lettering it or coloring it. It's it's quite an adventure, really. Mm. And is this this is while you're you're doing a day job as well? Yes, I have a doing been doing uh, graphic design for a renovation company mm-hmm. and. Um, it's, it's really, uh, that's going really well. So just basically I have no free time whatsoever. <laughs> What's your approach when you have that little free time? Do you, are you someone who plans, um, like every hour, how much time you're going to spend on different things or do you set aside specific days or, or times of the day to do this stuff? Or I, I basically go, this has to be done today. Hmm. I don't, I don't go like, I'm going to block three hours off to do it. 
but I would basically go, um, before I go to sleep tonight, I have to, you know, pages worth of artwork mm-hmm. and write another, you know, 10 panels. And because the, the, the webtoon format is uh, panel based, not page based, mm-hmm. which is, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, so basically by usually by the end of the day, I usually have done what I set out to do, but no real hard, fast. I'm going to spend 1 PM, 3 PM working on X. Hmm. And just as long as the all gets done by the end of the day. Yeah. And it, it sounds like, um, with a lot of this stuff, it's, it's, it's like you're in search of a way of getting the, the work out there. And there's, is, is that your aim is to work for an established comic book company at some stage, or is that, is it to do your own stuff and have a, like a pipeline into the direct market through your own stuff or. I would love to work for an established company at mm-hmm. this point. Um, it's not necessarily the, the job security aspect of it though. Because there isn't any. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, even like you look at the, um, the whole uh, Comic Gates mess, mm-hmm. and one person says says the absolute wrong thing, and he goes from being an up and coming A lister artist to putting out something on Indiegogo because. He, he lost his job, his big, his big chance. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no job security in this. Not that I'm saying I'm going to make, I want to say something completely idiotic and stupid It's just that the nature of the beast is it's all freelance. Yeah. Um, that said, working for an established company establishes your personal brand. Mm-hmm. So you can, if I work, let's say, you know, a decade on X-Men or justice league or whatever, that when I'm finished with that run, it would be a lot more, a lot easier for me to go to a independent company going, Hey, I have a book. I want to put it out. I can get an artist, blah, blah, blah. And it'd be easier for me to do that because my resume would say, Oh, he worked on X-Men or justice league or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just, the, it's the way the path goes. Hmm. And it seems like even like, uh, very established creators who work on mainstream books have a not a built-in audience because they have to still do the work, but their their own work um, doesn't hit the same heights as as that stuff. Even very well-known artists still have to go out and do the legwork to 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 sell their um, independent stuff and to do the the you know all the marketing and all of the building of, right. of the brand and. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not easy, but it's, 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 it's a path and yeah. it's, it's tried, it's sort of tried and true hmm. how, how, how it goes. Are there creators I mean, that you look, look at, at that, that, you, that you, you see how their careers have gone and think that's someone that you'd like to emulate either in the, the way that they do their work or the way their career has gone? Exactly. Yeah. Um, like the whole, um, like Matt Fraction, Mm-hmm the route he did um even um charles sewell mm-hmm. 
his his trajectory, and uh, Matthew Rosenberg. Yeah, they've all did the legwork, did the hard work, and they're now, you know, established, well-known names in the business. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of doing, putting in the hard time and putting in the work. Yeah. Um, my understanding, it's like at least a decade and mm-hmm. not even in the, I mean, as a guidepost before you can actually get stuff done. Yeah. And I'm almost at a decade, but I'm not going to, uh, it's not a hard, fast rule, so to speak. Hmm. You mentioned, uh, Indiegogo and, uh, that the, the world of, um, crowdfunding generally uh-huh. how how do you feel about that as a as a path is that something that you you feel like you you want to do more of or i, I do but you need to ha- i need to have the fan base to do it mm-hmm. um, um when i kickstarted um meat space um i barely reached funding i even know how other than like my folks chipping in like a grand hmm. and something like that. But I, I don't even know how that, how I turned that, that into a finished product. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think the only reason why the game space Kickstarter succeeded as well, um, was because the, the goal was pretty low. Hmm. It's a matter of scaling. Right. But if I was like, you know, a household name, so to speak, it wouldn't be that big of an issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the... Um, there's plenty of people. Uh, Pat Shan is doing one right now for gangster, gangster-ass barista. Mm-hmm. It looks really, really good. But he's established... He has a fan base, and he has um, proven that his stuff is solid. Hmm. So he's already had already. I think he's like maybe what four days in, hmm. and he's already hit his goal. Hmm. Did you see um, uh, Meat Space as the, as the book that you could use as a, as a like a greeting card? I, I did. Cool. Um, I, I gave, basically when it first came out, and up until even recently, I would give out the first copy to anyone who 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 take it, mm-hmm. just as a sort of a business card of, hey, I'm a writer. This is what I've done. Mm-hmm. This looks amazing. You should contact me. Um, it got me the last gig that I've just finished for. Um, all we ever wanted in mm-hmm. the anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, put out by a wave blue press and it's going to be amazing. I just turned it. It was it's essentially my last meat space story. I've been calling it because, mm. because I, I think I've sort of filled that, um, that scratched that itch yeah. for that genre, for that title. Um, I tried to do a second volume and it didn't take off for some reason. Um, and I'm actually kind of glad it didn't take off because looking back on it, it didn't 
it, it didn't hit it hmm. hit me as well as it should have. I needed more time in the, in the cooker, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt good um, to write that. And uh, it was a six, it's a six-page story with artwork by Matt Lejeune. It's going to be... The Kickstarter's already done and, and collected, so it should be in stores eventually. Mm-hmm. It's um, we're going. I think we're aiming for um, end of the year. Um, release. So I think we're trying to push for an Eisner with it, which is going to be amazing. Mm. But uh, I'm really happy how it turned out. It's gorgeous. Mm. That's good. Is that um, whilst whilst that goes on? I mean, you you, you know, you've said that the the schedule that you work on is is quite filled anyway. But has there ever been any moment where you thought I can I should draw something? I should do something where I can do everything because you can letter, you can do the flat coloring, and um, I'm sure you could do coloring and uh, yeah. the production side of it. And has there ever been any moment where it's like just to get something out there you've you've wanted to go back to drawing or um every once in a while i get the urge to do it but then Mm -hmm. i try and i go no i can't do this because i would get the proportions wrong and it's just a matter of getting what you see in your mind's eye on Mm -hmm. paper is two different completely two different things so it's it's just really um translate what you see in your head onto paper, mm-hmm. at least for me, it is. Hmm. Is there? Do you think there's like that kind of thing comes around now because there is such a uh, pe- people have so many um, uh, guidelines to, to tell them how to get a professional looking book out there that there is a tendency for um, uh, for the reading public or for just fans in general that they want to see something of a higher caliber now especially um, even even independent work has to come out at a very high standard yeah it's well that's what that's what everyone's used to these days Mm. you know after you know the comics boom in the 80s and 90s the what's going on you know, there's high standards. People, you know, have our discerning eye these days. And it's so easy to put out a book relatively mm-hmm. compared to, let's say, 30 years ago. Um, I mean, within the past, I'd say, 10 years, it was it's in, in incredibly easy. All I could do is just put it up on Comixology or do uh, print-on-demand and um, your book's out there. Mm. I mean, it's not going to be, I mean, you have, to, you have to push it yourself, but it's it feels so much easier to actually get something done, just as long as you can, you know, pay everyone. Mm. Or convince people to, to do it. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you think there's there's a bit of a loss in this uh, because of that that you know the the idea of having a training ground or the idea of people learning their craft has suffered because of that? Do you think? 
think it it does. I mean, there is a a steep learning curve to making comics, mm-hmm. and even if the I mean, I've seen some stuff that looks really good that reads okay. That would be would be good on would be perfect on the shelf, but I think that the chaff would would separate easily. It still separates easily. You can tell whether it's crap or not hmm. on first look, right? And either and honestly, professionals will look at it, let the community will look at it, and go, "This is crap," and. Either, and the good people will go, this is what you need to work on mm-hmm. and allow and allow people to you know improve on themselves mm-hmm. rather than just go, this is crap, you should just quit mm-hmm. and that's not that's not a good attitude. I think the the more you can get the book out there, the more the feedback can go can come back mm-hmm. and allow people to improve right. so I think it's good. I think it's ultimately a good thing that you can anyone can put anything out. Yeah. You you that mentioned um, uh, being in like this group when you first got to New York and uh, the sense of community and and just then you said like the idea that the community um, can look at work and stuff like that. Do do you think that the uh, I mean New York has always had this um, this kind of sense of being uh, the home of Marvel especially and uh, DC up until recently but do you think there's still a vibrant comics community in New York or is it do you think it can be anywhere now and it doesn't really hold together in that same way I don't think it really holds together that much I mean there's a big concentration of people that live here mm-hmm. but I honestly haven't hung out with any comic book professionals in, I would say almost a year. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I kind of, it, it kind of missed that community, but it's also online. Right. I mean, there's plenty of Facebook groups and there's my whole Twitter feed and all of that where there's a community there that sort of feels sort of, fills that that void so to speak mm-hmm. but i do kind of miss the the in-person you know gather around and have a drink and share a meal type of community yeah do you go to conventions i when i can i i do mm-hmm. uh, like i always i always go to end up going to uh uh mocha fest which mm-hmm. is the more independent um, comic book convention, um, and then I always go try to always go to uh, New York Comic Con. Right. Um, there's a couple more in New York that that are popping up, like Flame Con and Borough Con, but I have yet to make it out to either of those, mainly because recently, like this year, I've been so busy. Mm-hmm. And um, if I can make it out to other conventions. I, I, I will. I, I love the convention atmosphere. It's just, it's so invigorating. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's invigorating and sort of like sort of psychs you up to get back to work. Hmm. Speak. Yeah. You, even if you're not tabling, if you're just walking, energy and excitement just gets me uh, um, psyched up to get back to work. Yeah. No. Um, like, uh, last year. Last year I ended up going to C2E2 and uh, another convention in Kansas City that I can't recall. Mm. And that was amazing. Right. Anyway. And was that tabling or just uh, as just to walk the aisles? Oh, it was tabling. I was uh, tabling for Phoenix Dreams. Oh, okay. And that was kind of exciting. Because mm. we were putting out uh, game space at the time. Right. And that felt really good. The um, with with Space Chef that's going up on Webtoons. How did that come around? How did you find out about that platform and and feel like that was something that you could work with or um, that the story matched that that way of telling a story? Oh, that's hilarious because um, I wrote the wrote wrote the first issue of that back around January mm-hmm. in the January. Um, played around with it till about. March, April, um, did a whole pitch, had a whole, you know, six pages worth of art, proper pitch set up a whole, I think five issues written around June, July. And then mm-hmm. I sent it out to every single comic book company I can think of, um, for all of them to turn it down. And I basically told, uh, the artist, David, um, well, if you have any better ideas, I'm all out because I sent the pitch to every, literally everyone, mm-hmm. and no one, no one bit it, no one bit on it, and um, he's like, "Well, how about we just do it as a webcomic on Webtoon?" Mm. I'm like, "I'm like, really? You're 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 go with this?" And he's like, "Yeah, let's do it." And next thing I know, I'm getting it, get, getting on a weekly schedule. It's really mm. actually. Um, really exciting, actually. Yeah, is a is a webcomic still very vibrant? Do you think is there still? Um, again, I don't want to you know not to, not to sound negative, but there, right. the there are so many avenues of people getting books out, and there are they're not closed off so much as they just uh, they they become little like pockets where people. I know a lot of people are very big webcomics fans um, and it feels like that community is established. Right. Um, but the, the, it's, it's not been seen as like a, as a necessary step anymore. It's like something that people choose to do because they want to tell a story in that format rather than because they think, well, I can do this webcomic and then at some stage I can get it published and at some stage I can get it printed and then I can get a, Hello? a you know, a, a comic job or something like that. Right. And rather than being a step, it's the end product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I, I think it's a viable end step. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of people that that's all they've set out to do and they made, uh, quite a significant living doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you got like your penny arcade and PVP and all the old school web comics that, worked hard and made their brand and um 
I think the, uh, and Webtoon is a brilliant um, format and avenue for discovering comics. Um, it just getting allows more people to get their stuff out there mm-hmm. and let people look at them. It's it could be, it, and it's all good. Even even the stuff that people don't like, it's it's out there, and it's it's good that they're out there. Mm-hmm. Which so and it's even from what I hear, it's actually eventually financially viable to get it done to put it on webtoon eventually. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. So what's the, the ideal next step for you? You've, you've mentioned some of the other product uh, projects that you, you want to work on and and it seems like uh, Space Chef's going really well. I think, you is it four episodes you have up at the moment or three? Currently it's four episodes. Um, fifth episode's coming out on, thir- we're going to a Thursday format, mm-hmm. uh, weekly format, but I'm trying to put a um, bonus episode every Monday. Uh-huh. So it's going to be basically story on Thursday and then either viewer mail or a recipe on, on Mondays. Uh-huh. I think tomorrow I'm going to, um, tomorrow I'm going to put up a recipe for, um, my, uh, rum balls that I, that are featured in episode two, uh-huh. just kind of, which was basically the, the original plan for the book was to make a comic book about space adventure and cooking and include the recipes in the back. Huh. <laughs> so I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. And um, along with Space Chef, where where can people find your stuff? Um, I'm on Comixology. Uh-huh. Um, all my Meat Space stuff and Game Space is on uh, Comixology. If you do a search for Meat Space or Game Space, it'll, it'll turn up. And um, my... For um, all we ever wanted is coming up from a wave blue, a wave blue world, um, probably by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So that'd be kind of good. Other than that, I have nothing, nothing going on. But at the moment, working on Space Chef is actually just enough right now mm-hmm. until <laughs> things take off. Yeah. And you, you mentioned um, uh, Twitter. Is that where you want people to find you? Or? Yes, um, I'm on Twitter as uh, Josh Gorfin, um, and at Josh Gorfin, and um, I usually uh, usually on there on Twitter. Excellent. Well, thank you for for talking with me, Josh. Thank you. I didn't. Uh, that was good. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That's it for the show. We'll be back in two weeks. You can find us online at whoiampodcast.com and contact us by email at whoiam at gmail.com or by phone at 818-308-4066. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, there is a submissions form on the site. We're also on iTunes where you can leave a rating if you feel inclined. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Jamie Gamble, and this was This Is Who I Am.